For all you elk hunters out there, chasing turkeys is basically the same thing. I know the reaction you just gave me, but don't knock it till you try it and don't try it without OnX. The Hunt app will not only help you find new areas on public ground, but I use it to find out landowner info to get permission on private ground that I see birds on as well. OnX Hunt has a special offer for you. Use code CAL to receive 20% off your membership at onxmaps.com slash hunt and find more birds this spring. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. Simply pour a can in your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. Pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. That's seafoamworks.com to learn more. Hey, I just sat down with the owners and operators of Maui Nui Venison. They're on a mission to balance access deer populations on Maui while giving back to the community and run a totally sustainable operation. For folks like me who want to get your own meat but aren't always successful, you can become a snack subscriber, get some Axis Deer sticks sent right to your door. Visit MauiNuiVenison.com. That's M-A-U-I-N-U-I Venison.com and use promo code CAL for 20% off your first order. From Mediator's World News Headquarters in Bozeman, Montana, this is Cal's Week in Review, presented by Steel. Steel products are available only at authorized dealers. For more, go to steeldealers.com. Now, here's your host, Ryan Cal Callahan. A 73-year-old woman in Florida was impaled by a sailfish last month after the 100-pound animal charged her boat, leapt out of the water, and stabbed her in the groin. Another passenger on the boat had hooked the fish with the rod and line when he noticed the giant sword swimming towards the boat. Catherine Perkins told police that the incident happened so fast she didn't have time to react. One second she was standing near the center console of the boat, the next she had a sailfish bill stuck somewhere below the belt. It may be more odd that the police responded to this incident. Again, we're talking about Florida. Her friends kept pressure on the wound until they got back to the dock about an hour later. She was rushed to a nearby hospital and is expected to recover. Speaking of puncture wounds in strange places, a man in Atlanta was taken to the hospital recently after being shot in the chest with a crossbow. According to the Associated Press, the man was standing outside a convenience store west of downtown when someone pulled up in a gold minivan, got out, and shot him in the chest. The victim was taken to the hospital, conscious and alert, but has so far refused to cooperate with law enforcement. Well, I mean, no kidding. You don't get shot in the city by someone with a crossbow and go squealing to the cops. That's totally against Dungeons & Dragons protocol. I can't wait for this Hotlanta LARPer's next move. This week, we got poaching, pandemics, red drum, and legislation. But first, I'm going to tell you about my week. And my week has been pretty darn wild. Recording. For you, currently from a cargo container house on the big island of Hawaii, we're getting close to wrapping up two future Meat Eater episodes. We've been seriously spoiled, hunting pigs, sheep, fish, eating all the things that grow on trees, meeting lots of new friends, 
It's been informative, and we haven't even had to get off of Montana time. These folks are not afraid to wake up at 3 a.m. if the situation depends on it, which I appreciate. That's only 7 a.m. back home. Couple of highlights. We got a run around at 6,000 feet with a guy named Justin Lee, who is an accomplished hunter and spear fisherman, but also involved in his family business of land management with an emphasis on restoring and cultivating native plants. Learned a ton about Hawaiian trees and African grasses, Hawaiian history, and sandalwood. Did you know that the sandalwood tree, aside from being Hawaii's first plant export, is in fact a parasitic tree? It hosts off of the surrounding trees by tapping into their root systems. I didn't know that. We also scared a lot of sheep, made some great stocks, talked invasive species, native species, and noxious plants, and generally had a great time. And yeah, after some embarrassingly bad shooting, I managed to get a ewe who's going to be super tasty. Did you know that 72 of Hawaii's native birds have gone extinct in the last 100 years? That's our time, the last 100 years. The folks with the big brains, and we're supposed to be taking care of stuff. Check out the big brain on bread! On the same page, Hawaii just made it illegal to shoot feral cats. Pretty clear who they value the most. We did a lot of swimming with sharks. Oceanic white tips, really good looking, long pectoral and dorsal fins give them a larger than they are appearance. Some were aggressive, some were far too familiar, Others were really beautiful and graceful creatures to watch. We did pay the tax man a couple of times, which is the cool way of saying a shark stole my fish. We paid three quarters of an Ono, or Wahoo, which Kimmy had speared, and an entire tuna on a rod and reel setup that fought like it was the biggest of the trip. But we'll never know. On the food side of things, we, as in Danny Bolton, Kimmy Werner, Stephen Rinella, and myself, threw down on some serious food. Poke, sashimi, ono, ahi, pilotfish, uku, sheep, pig, mule deer. Even a bunch of spoonbill ducks I shot last season in my buddy's rice field in California. Big mahalo to the Hawaii crew. I know I'm not naming all of you, but it's supposed to be a 20-minute podcast. I'll buy you a beer when I come back, and I will. Moving on... A shrinking percentage of Washington state residents approve of legal, regulated hunting, according to a new survey released by the Washington Department of Fish and Wildlife. However, that trend doesn't appear to be driven by a dislike of hunting. Instead, Washington state residents just don't care. The survey found approval of hunting decreased substantially in recent years, dropping from 88% in 2014 to 75% in 2022 but the survey didn't find significantly higher levels of opposition. The decrease in support came from more residents giving neutral or do-not-know responses. In fact, some questions show decreases in both support and opposition. Only 4% of Washington state residents hunted last year, so the fact that 75% of residents support legal, regulated hunting is still a victory for the hunting community. However, it's still troubling that support for hunting seems to be decreasing in Washington state, even if those folks don't outright oppose the activity. Nationwide surveys have found consistently that about 85% of Americans support legal hunting for food. This is very important stuff to keep in mind when your outspoken Instagram page talks about the anti-hunters or a new bill is introduced in your state that seems to be very outrightly anti-hunting. 
It's our job to be informed, to share our stories, to speak well, share some food, and talk to this 75% of the population that does not hunt. And keep in mind that just because they do not hunt doesn't mean they're anti-hunting. One of the strongest arguments in favor of hunting is that it helps maintain healthy ecosystems. I came across several stories in just the past few weeks that do a great job illustrating this point. In many states, expanding white-tailed deer populations are wreaking havoc. Overbrowsing in natural areas harms native plant species and young trees. Collisions between deer and vehicles kill both people and animals. Tick infestations spread Lyme disease and deer damage gardens and landscaping. Historically, wildlife managers have relied on hunters to keep those populations in check. In Iowa, for example, the Fort Dodge City Council is considering a proposal that would allow urban archery hunting for the first time ever. This hunt is a result of a petition drive in 2020 asking the city council to do something about the deer. The Iowa Department of Natural Resources advised the council that an archery hunt could be conducted. That's called being proactive. Remember, hunting is conservation only if we participate. Moving on to the law enforcement desk. I love a good poaching story as much as the next guy, but the men and women who investigate those crimes are often overshadowed by the colorful characters who actually do the poaching, which is a shame. Our wildlife officers are hardworking folks who care about protecting our natural resources, and they've developed all kinds of creative ways to keep poaching to a minimum. In San Diego, for example, a nonprofit called Wild Coast Partners with the California Department of Fish and Wildlife was developed to nab poachers in the La Jolla Cove. They set up a radar unit that sends boat movement information to an artificial intelligence system that identifies potential poaching in the cove's marine protected areas, or MPAs. Cayado and his team have worked with the California Department of Fish and Wildlife to nab over 60 fishing violators with the help of their radar system. They can monitor the water 24-7 and send out automatic reports to enforcement authorities. In international waters, the World Wildlife Fund for Nature is expanding a genetic database that will help wildlife officials find and prosecute turtle poachers. Hawksbill sea turtles are prized by poachers for their beautiful shells, which are used to make jewelry, spectacle frames, combs, and other things we don't need. Hawksbill turtles are considered endangered in the United States and around the world, and trade has been illegal since 1977. Thousands of turtle shells are seized by law enforcement every year, but that's often where the investigation ends. The Worldwide Fund for Nature is hoping to change that by launching a genetic database called Shell Bank. This database will house genetic information from nesting sites and cross-reference that with turtles seized by law enforcement. Poachers often target nesting sites, but those sites are remote and difficult to monitor. If wildlife officials know where shells are coming from, they can more effectively use their limited resources to protect those locations. The United States has another kind of network dedicated to stopping poachers, Operation Game Thief. No doubt you've heard about this. It's a nonprofit organization that operates independently in virtually every state. It started in New Mexico in 1977 and was modeled after the original Crime Stoppers program developed by the Albuquerque Police Department. Hank? No, they're minerals, Marie. I got some geos coming that are very delicate, all right? At that time, many did not consider poaching to be a real crime. However, a study commissioned in the 1970s by the New Mexico Department of Game and Fish estimated that poachers killed about 34,000 deer in the state per year, which is a lot. 
when other states found comparable results, a nationwide effort was launched to reduce poaching and change the public's perception of it. Operation Game Thief offers cash rewards for tips that lead to poaching convictions. The organization works closely with the state's Wildlife Crime Division to pass along those tips, and they've successfully busted thousands of poachers. Game wardens will tell you that tips from concerned citizens are crucial to their work. Wildlife crimes occur in remote areas, and it's often impossible for game wardens to monitor that much ground. In many states, Operation Game Thief also works to educate the public about the seriousness of wildlife-related crime. The Operation Game Thief organization in Texas, for example, built trailers that display taxidermy models of the various animals that have been poached over the years. They bring these trailers to schools and outdoor trade shows to remind people that poaching is a crime, not just a prank. Next time you see them in your neck of the woods, stop in, say hi, and check out what you could have bumped into if it weren't poached. For all you elk hunters out there, chasing turkeys is basically the same thing. I know the reaction you just gave me, but don't knock it till you try it and don't try it without OnX. The Hunt app will not only help you find new areas on public ground, but I use it to find out landowner info to get permission on private ground that I see birds on as well. OnX Hunt has a special offer for you. Use code CAL to receive 20% off your membership at onxmaps.com hunt and find more birds this spring. We've all seen plenty of gadgets and fads come and go, but here's one product that stood the test of time. Seafoam Motor Treatment. Lots of hunters and anglers know that seafoam helps engines run better and last longer. It's really simple. When you pour it in your gas tank, seafoam cleans harmful fuel deposits that cause engine problems. I'm talking common stuff like hard starts, rough engine performance, or lost fuel economy. Seafoam is an easy way to prevent or overcome these problems. Just pour a can in your gas tank and let it clean your fuel system. You probably know someone who has used a can of seafoam to get their truck or boat going again. I guarantee you've listened to them because I use it, you know, regularly. People everywhere rely on seafoam to keep their trucks, boats, and small engines running the way they should the entire season. Help your engine run better and last longer. Pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. Hey, I just sat down with the owners and operators of Maui Nui Venison. You've heard that name before because I've talked about them here on this podcast. They're on a mission to balance access deer populations on Maui while giving back to the community and run a totally sustainable operation. Now, it's wild axis deer, which is an invasive species, but this operation is monitored and observed by the USDA, and they can commercially sell axis deer. Last time I went out to uh, Maui to hunt axis, I did not kill one, which is where Maui Nui Venison would come in very handy for folks like me who want to get your own meat but aren't always successful and still want to have something in the freezer or uh, handy in the form of a snack stick that is as close to getting your own as you can get which is what Maui Nui Venison is. You can become a snack subscriber, get some Axis Deer sticks sent right to your door. Visit MauiNuiVenison.com that's M-A-U-I-N-U-I, venison.com, and use promo code CAL for 20% off your first order. Moving on to the pandemic desk. 
A federal agency with the United States Department of Agriculture recently barred waterfowl hunters from bringing home game birds from Mexico and 63 areas across Canada. The decision was made by the Animal and Plant Health Inspection Service to limit the spread of avian influenza, otherwise known as bird flu. Listener Casey McDowell of Indiana sent me an email on July 22nd saying that he was prohibited from bringing his waterfowl across the border. He's part of a group that has been hunting in Saskatchewan for over 32 years, and he was excited to bring back his Canada snow and speckle-belly geese after his most recent trip. But his tasty waterfowl were seized at the border, and it doesn't look like he's going to get them back. Why American officials believe they can stop the spread of a disease by seizing the breast meat of a migratory bird that flies thousands of miles every year at a border that the birds don't recognize is, you know, unclear. Fortunately for everyone except Casey, the restrictions on imports from Canada started to lift the day he sent me this email. Sorry, Casey. The USDA reported that the Canadian Food Inspection Agency had resolved the bird flu outbreaks in some of the previously restricted areas, so hunters should be able to start bringing back their take. The important bans are still in place in some areas, and you can find a list of those zones on the USDA's website. As of July 26th, the restrictions on birds from Mexico are still effective. I spoke with meat eaters Sean Weaver, our resident waterfowl guru, and he told me that even though you aren't seeing bird flu as much in the news, scientists are still very much concerned. The flu isn't spreading as quickly among wild birds because it's nesting season. Less movement means less transmission, which is why we've seen the decline, but transmission could very well pick back up during fall migration. It's also unclear whether the virus will become endemic to wild populations. Will this be something we deal with every year? Don't know. It's a great question. Bird flu is declining in Canada for now, but now it looks like they're dealing with another deadly pathogen. Parks Canada reported last month that they had detected signs of a possible anthrax outbreak among bison at Wood Buffalo National Park in the Northwest Territories. Park officials noticed that several collared buffalo had died, and when they went to investigate, two field tests showed positive results for anthrax. Unfortunately for park visitors, humans can get anthrax from close contact with bison, which is probably still not enough to get park visitors to keep their distance from the large animals. <coughs> anthrax, contrary to popular belief, is not just a band name or something spread through the United States Postal Service. The disease is caused by Bacillus anthracis, which is a spore-forming bacteria. These spores can live naturally in the soil for decades and become activated in hot weather, and fluctuating water levels. According to the American Veterinary Medical Association, outbreaks have been identified in several U.S. states and usually occur after periods of drought followed by heavy rains. Biologists with Wood Buffalo National Park believe bison ingested these spores while wallowing in dust baths. Park officials have observed 47 carcasses so far, and Canada's Northwest Territories is apparently a hot spot for bison anthrax outbreaks. Over 300 bison died in the territories in 2012, another 57 in 2015. Officials at Wood Buffalo Park say they do not know whether this outbreak will have a long-term impact on the herd, but they say past outbreaks have had minimal effect on the larger population. Moving on to the fishing desk. A long-standing controversy in Virginia kicked into high gear last month when a reduction fishing operation accidentally and illegally killed a school of red drum off the coast of a state park, thanks to listener Bo Baden for bringing this one to our attention. Omega Protein 
whose parent company is headquartered in Canada, was fishing for Menhaden or Bunka, one mile offshore near Virginia Beach. Menhaden or Bunka are small, oily forage fish that are eaten by larger fish like striped bass, weak fish, and bluefish, not to mention ospreys, eagles, and humpback whales. Omega protein catches Manhattan in huge nets and reduces them down to fish oil and fish meal, hence the term reduction fishing. So if that's reduction fishing, I wonder what happens when you do something really fancy with your trout that you caught on your fly line. Is that enhancement fishing? Think about it. Right in. I want to know. They catch Manhattan using spotters and airplanes that direct the boats to where to drop the nets. Omega Protein claims that a school of red drum was swimming underneath the school of Menhaden, which is like, yeah, no kidding. So the pilots weren't able to see the red drum from the air. When the fishing boat raised its net, the captain noticed the snared red drum and ordered the net to be dropped, but it was too late. Many fish likely died during the incident, according to Omega Protein. The photos I've seen show hundreds of Menhaden and Red Drum dead in the water, and local media reports dead fish had washed on shore for miles along the beach. This particular mistake won't threaten the Red Drum or Menhaden populations, but the incident has understandably fired up Chesapeake Bay anglers because many say that omega protein shouldn't be in the water to begin with. Virginia is the only state along the East Coast that allows reduction fishing for Menhaden. Other states have decided that the practice is too damaging to the ecosystem, given the important role Manhattan or Bunka play in the food chain. Recreational fishermen are especially concerned with how commercial Manhattan fishing affects the striped bass population. We've covered this in a few previous episodes. Striped bass are on a decline along the East Coast. There are many suspected causes for this, including serious habitat changes, commercial and recreational striped bass fishing, as well as others. On June 14th of this year, a group of conservation organizations, including the Theodore Roosevelt Conservation Partnership, BHA, sent a letter to Virginia Governor Glenn Youngkin asking that the governor prohibit reduction fishing in the Chesapeake Bay. They want Omega Protein to stop fishing for Menhaden until scientists can more thoroughly study how the practice affects striped bass. 100 million pounds of bunka, or Menhaden, are taken every year. According to a 2017 study, Menhaden, or Bunka, fishing contributes to a nearly 30% decline in striped bass numbers coastwide, and Menhaden constitute more than 30% of a striped bass's diet. Delegate Tim Anderson has introduced a bill that would ban reduction fishing for Menhaden in the Chesapeake Bay. He told local media that his constituents are worried about the striped bass numbers and recreational fishing charters aren't seeing as many large fish. Unfortunately, the bill isn't likely to pass anytime soon. Omega Protein donates tens of thousands of dollars to state representatives, including a cool $25,000 check to Governor Youngkin. Right now, it doesn't look like there's much support for Anderson's bill. Omega Protein employs about 250 people, whereas striped bass angling industry drives $166 million in Virginia alone, and the larger saltwater angling industry contributes about $465 million to the Commonwealth's economy while supporting over 6,500 jobs. Moving on to the legislation desk. Hawaii Governor David E.J. recently issued a third proclamation declaring an emergency relief period for the Axis deer crisis in Maui County. Despite ongoing efforts, the Axis deer population has grown to over 60,000, which cannot be sustained by the environment on Maui, according to the governor's office. 
the deer have devastated pasture, forage, and vegetation that are already scarce because of continuing drought conditions. The declaration allows the state and county to continue taking measures to reduce and control access to your populations and to implement management strategies. This latest emergency period will continue until September 20. This is a touchy subject as access deer are an incredible food source, but not everyone has access to the access. I know if you're trying to grow beef on Maui, you'd sure like to reduce the access population. Maybe it's time to explore a public access to private land program. If you think so, I'd sure write the Hawaii Department of Natural Resources as well as Governor EJ. Now, a few episodes back, I told you that the Washington Fish and Wildlife Commission was considering a move that would end the spring 2023 black bear season before dates had even been set. Today, I'm sad to report that the commission has done just that. They passed a motion that will require the Department of Fish and Wildlife to rewrite the state's policy on the bear hunt before setting permit levels for the upcoming spring season. This all but guarantees there won't be a spring bear hunt in Washington next year. The commissioners who voted in favor of the motion claimed that they were simply concerned about process. Commissioner Don McIsaac, who supports keeping the hunt open, pointed out that canceling the 2023 season violates the commission's mandate to maximize hunting and fishing opportunities. We've got a statutory mandate to maximize hunting and fishing opportunities when it does not impair the resource, when it's sustainable. Scientific experts on staff have said the bear population is robust and healthy and that the spring bear hunt is sustainable. Going to zero is the opposite of maximizing, and so any rationale to cancel consideration fails this statutory test. Time to write your commissioners and your governor, Washingtonians, and anyone else who wants fair and regulated hunting. This isn't just a Washington issue, this is a hunting issue. So please write in. Over in Washington, D.C., Congress just passed a big spending bill called the Inflation Reduction Act. The legislation would nearly double the funding for private land conservation from $6 million to $11 million every year. It would also fund projects that protect coastal, marine, and forest habitats. You can read a full overview at the Theodore Roosevelt Conservation Partnership. This is a great opportunity to call your congressional representative and say thank you. Also in Washington, an important Senate committee recently passed a bill that would make it harder for environmental groups to use endless litigation to interfere with public land management. A 2015 federal court decision, known as the Cottonwood Ruling, requires the U.S. Forest Service to constantly review its forest management plans with the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. Under this ruling, the Forest Service must consult with Fish and Wildlife whenever a new species is listed under the Endangered Species Act, when new critical habitat is designated, or when significant, quote, new information about a listed species becomes available. This sounds great and reasonable, but you can imagine how this requirement is used to put a stop to all sorts of necessary activities on Forest Service lands. These drawn-out reviews stop the Forest Service from doing their job to manage the forests. The more time foresters spend doing paperwork, the less time they can spend managing our public lands, reducing wildfire risk, providing high-quality habitat for all manner of wildlife, including endangered species. The Cottonwood ruling is allowing protectionist groups to bring a constant barrage of lawsuits that are bad for our public lands. At some point, forest management plans must be executed. 
That's exactly what this new bipartisan legislation would do. Backed by groups like the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, the Boone and Crockett Club, and backcountry hunters and anglers, the legislation would reverse the Cottonwood ruling and allow critical forest restoration work to continue. These forest management activities include wildfire mitigation, watershed improvement, and habitat restoration. Its co-sponsors, Senators Manchin, a Democrat from West Virginia, and Steve Daines, a Republican from Montana, is based on legal advice from both the Obama and Trump administrations. If you'd like to weigh in, the next step for this bill is a vote on the floor of the Senate, and it's numbered Senate, as in S-2561. That's S-2561. Now that you got your homework, that's all I've got for you this week. It's hunting season. Get out there. Be respectful. It's also fire season. Don't park in tall grass. Don't throw anything out the window. Pick up after others and have fun. Thank you so much for listening. And remember to write in to A-S-K-C-A-L, that's AskCal at TheMeatEater.com, and let me know what's going on in your neck of the woods. Also, don't let a big windstorm block the road or trail to your favorite access site. Check out www.SteelDealers.com and find that local knowledgeable steel dealer near you. Do like I do. Put a nice, quiet, clean, battery-powered steel chainsaw underneath the truck seat for just those types of occasions. If you want another pro tip, you can fill up the bar and chain with canola oil and make quick work of that elk. Cut it right down the spine just like the pros do. Thanks again, and I'll talk to you next week. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel, gum, and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. Simply pour a can in your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. Pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. That's seafoamworks.com to learn more. Hey, I just sat down with the owners and operators of Maui Nui Venison. They're on a mission to balance access deer populations on Maui while giving back to the community and run a totally sustainable operation. For folks like me who want to get your own meat but aren't always successful, you can become a snack subscriber, get some access deer sticks sent right to your door. Visit MauiNuiVenison.com. That's M-A-U-I-N-U-I venison.com and use promo code CAL for 20% off your first order.